Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Hi, I'm John McEnroe I'm Bjorn Borg This is Martina Navratilova I'm Mats Wilander I'm Stan Wawrinka I'm Leighton Hewitt I'm Andy Murray And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast So Catherine Whitaker and myself, David Law join you from where the boat leaves on its way to the O2 Arena for the ATP Finals. This is where the players board, just outside Waterloo Station. We're next to uh, the River Thames. We're not actually in Waterloo Station today, so you won't hear any of our travel reports. But you, what, what you will hear about is lots of tennis, because there's been lots of it going on. Catherine Whitaker, how are you today? Very well, thank you. I've just done a commute, which is an alien concept for me. Yeah. Did, just, yeah. did you follow a nap? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I wish it had done too early for one of those. Um, yeah, commuting. I mean, probably I, I, I sh- shan't slag it off too much because probably lots of people listening to this are, as I speak, commuting. Yeah. I feel for you yeah. is what I have to say. I, I feel your pain. Yeah, well, so basically, what is it? Uh, just uh, over two weeks from now, it'll be time for the ATB finals. And uh, in London, uh, we've just had... The WTA Finals, its final year in Singapore. That's the first thing we're going to be talking about today. We're also going to be talking about another title for Roger Federer. It'll be Federer. final a lot. The WTA Finals final for the final time in Singapore. Yeah. Okay, I've overdone finals, everybody. And we're well, no, be... there's no way to avoid it. I know. The decider. The... The, the I, I, was, I, I did the voiceover yesterday evening for the um, highlights programme of the, the WTA Finals final. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I didn't write the, the script, but you know, we were having to use championship match. Oh right, okay. Which is the most American turn of phrase that's ever come out of my mouth. But it's the only way to avoid just saying finals, final, finals. Anybody got finals, anything final. else? That tennis podcast. We're going to be talking about the the Basel uh, clincher, which Roger Federer won. Uh, Vienna won by Kevin Anderson we're seeing pictures on a TV adjacent to us at the moment of Greg Rosetsky holding aloft the Paris Indoor Trophy and Sebastian Grosjean as well um, that's Tim Hemman yeah that's Tim Hemman and it's that lovely tree isn't it uh, the old um, it's Thomas Burdick yeah He's winning the title when he was wearing his cap indoors um, but yeah the, the Paris tournament about to take place this week we're going to be talking about Great Britain doubles success we've got Robin Soderling alright I forgot that he won it Stefanos Sitsipas David Ferrer won it David Ferrer do you remember that no I don't 
2012, apparently. So you are lots of... This is, this, yeah, it's had some interesting winners. This I forgot the song on it as well. Robin Sodling? Jack Sock is currently being shown holding the trophy. And Ooh, I'll tell you feels what, like a long time let's ago. skip forward very much in the old agenda to the fact that if Jack Sock doesn't win his first round match in Paris this week, he goes down to 140 in the world. Crikey. Which is probably a fair reflection of his year, let's oh, yeah. face it. In singles, yeah. it is. I mean, I mean, yeah, it is a fair reflection of his year. Rankings it, don't lie. I'm not sure. I don't Although he, they have been lying for a long time. He's not even won 10 singles no, matches this year. But in doubles, he's won two Grand Slams and has been the world, the best doubles player in the world. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Why can, why can you be so effective in doubles and not singles? Well, I would, I would, I would just insert a couple of caveats there. Yes, he is the the best one of the best doubles players in the world but he's also well until potentially next week when he tumbles outside the world's top 100 he's the top ranked player by a mile that consistently plays doubles mm. you don't know I mean get all of the top 30 players playing doubles and he probably wouldn't be the be- one sure. of the best doubles he players in the world he is really good at doubles he is but so could a lot of them be yeah. if they committed but to it doubles. Wouldn't it be so, great if they all but did? But it, it is a curiosity because my understanding was that his very successful partnership with Vashek Pospisil, they of course were Wimbledon champions. My understanding is that that disintegrated because Jack Sock didn't want to be a doubles player. Well, uh, he wanted to wanted to be a singles player. But who does? Be, you know, it's so rare. Well, Jack for the Sock top. now, apparently. Well, yeah, and and I'm pleased that he does, and I think he should do more of it. And I, I, I still would love to see a combined singles and doubles ranking where everybody has to play doubles. Anyway, that's not going to happen. That would be. I, I suspect Jack Sock <laughs> might stop campaigning for that. Yeah, quite further. Wonder where he'd be. He'd be like ten in the world, wouldn't he? Split the difference. It's a combined. Uh, no, he wouldn't. At the moment. What, 104? Oh, at the moment, okay. Yeah. But yeah, things could change in seven days. Yeah. We're going to be talking about tennis jokes, if we can get it in, because we keep banging on about how we're going to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I had my uh, my latest tennis joke this week. Um, this time I was 5-4 up in the first set tie break. Mini break to me. Two serves to win the set for the first time ever against Solly Hall-Simon. Solly. And I'm and I failed again. I failed again. So yeah, I, I'm a perfect person to talk oh, about. That chokes. trusty serve, David, yeah. letting you down. It was untrustworthy today. Right, Alina Svitolina is the champion in Singapore. The final time it's been held in Singapore, Singapore before it goes to Shenzhen in China for a ten-year stay. My goodness, a lot of money going on there. Um, Svitolina, if you lined up the eight players as they do. I would have thought she would have been the least talked about at the start of the tournament and the least likely to win. That is what I would have said at the start of the tournament. Well, before having seen the speed of the court? Yes, even... I mean, I take your point that it's more, gives, it obviously helped her. Uh, and actually, you said last week that the, the tournament was there for Sloane Stevens to win. She got to the final undefeated. I think that was very much borne out the way it went it suited her down to the ground she was brilliant I'm still I'm still quite surprised that she didn't win the final yesterday what was your take on the final I saw some of it but not all of it I was surprised as well I, I think when she, she was too loved down and uh, Svitolina was serving and she had a whole raft of break points to to break her back and um get on get back on serve in in the deciding set and and it felt like the difference between 2-1 and 3-love was everything and and at that point I still was having picking Sloane Stevens to win it she didn't break and I thought okay that you know this is probably over now Um, and then she did rally she did 
hold and then break back and I thought oh okay well, my, my prediction's back on you know I I, I, um, I still back Stevens for this um, with the greater big match experience but I underestimated Svitolina um, who was so gritty so so gritty um, in that final and Stevens ran out of gas which is perhaps understandable um, you know the matches were punishing in Singapore because of the speed of the court you know it was so hard to win points so hard um, that yeah it was a punishing week a, a you know punishing year for Sloane Stevens. you know last year she didn't play a full year of tennis so um, probably has taken a toll on her body but it was it was still a bit alarming not alarming I mean I don't think there's any reason for alarm, but just in the moment it was jarring to see Sloane Stevens, who I think of as sort of the supreme athlete, really, just running out of steam. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Svitolina was comfortable with making it a physical battle. She knew she, she had the gas in the tank, which I don't think would have been the case a few months ago. She's, she definitely looks in a better place. She looks in a moment. better place. She, she spoke quite frankly um, at the start of the tournament, um, shouldn't necessarily talk about her talk explicitly about her struggles with her weight although it seems pretty obvious to me that there have been considerable struggles um, over the years she talked about the abuse that she's received on social media as a result Horrible. of it and how much it's affected her and it obviously goes without saying that that's all completely ghastly um, and you know I'm, I'm very very reluctant to, to comment on players physiques in terms of slenderness because every you know different folks different strokes different things work for different people um but she was completely you know looking at her u.s open u.s open you know under a microscope she was obviously completely underpowered and and she was running out of gas and and you know it just wasn't working and she actually said after that didn't she to a ukrainian uh, there was something translated from ukrainian where she said she as much as said, "Look, I know I've gone a bit too far. I need to, I need to try and find a middle ground here. I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a learning curve here with my body yeah. and adjusting my game to my body." And and I don't know if she's there. Um, I think just making assessments just purely on the basis of how she looks to our naked, untrained eye is probably a bit dangerous. But she's obviously getting to somewhere. She looked in. Full of energy, didn't she, she? Yeah, there was no, yeah, there was no doubting the gas she had in the tank. No, and, and I mean the people she seemed she to have beat. a little bit more power. Yeah, a little bit more oh, power were, behind the shots. There was enough there, and the the thing is with Svitolina, she's not a ball striker like um, Pliskova or Kvitova. She she's a package of good ball striking from both sides, forehand and backhand. She can hurt you from both, particularly the backhand, but she's an incredible mover. She can chase down balls and stay in rallies and and also is just a, just generally a great athlete. She she looks like a jock, you know, in, in that way, as though she could be good at all sorts of sports. I think if you put her on the track, she could be an excellent track and field athlete. And the people she beat along the way, beat Wozniacki, Kvitova, Pliskova, Burton's, and then Stevens to go undefeated in the WTO finals. Yeah, and there's lots of different styles of opponents yeah. as well, crucially. Um, first undefeated champion um, at the WTO finals since Serena Williams in 2013. Wow. So more often than not, the, the, the champion 
does you know usually lose a match and she's had a, te- two a not, group stage not only the conversation that, that we've just been having but her results have been nothing like they were for the last six months the first four or five months of the year she she was doing well apart from the, the slams it had gone in the way that it had the last couple of years very competitive at the top end of the game unable to produce on the big occasion the last six months her results have not been up to scratch at all and then suddenly she produces this run here and and also it sh- shows what a good final player she is she's won her last nine finals which which is a, a heck of a stat and it you know something matt's put down in the in our agenda here is is the comparison to to wozniaki a year ago that felt big at the time it felt like a, a hurdle had been jumped there for wozniaki and then she did go on and she won the australian open and i i just wonder whether both svitolina and maybe in a couple of weeks' time, we might be talking about Zverev winning this tournament. This this could be a big springboard for these players. Hang on, Zverev lost to Marius Koppel. I know, I'm just saying, ago. but it feels like... That is a different state of affairs to Alina Svitolina. But don't you feel like a, if Zverev were to win the, the ATP finals, it might oh, be the kind it's a, it's of the bridge, the bridge between yeah, that and yeah. Grand Slam success. Would, it Although could, I, be, could be for anyone I seem that to might win saying the that ATP about finals. Grigor Dimitrov, Dimitrov a year ago. Yeah. Oh, well. Okay, my theory doesn't work. So anyway, what have asked for Let's talk about that in two weeks. Should, okay. should that come to pass? Right. Um, yeah, look, I think it could be. I, I, I think she's good enough to win a Grand Slam title. Um, I, I don't want to hark on too much about the speed of the courts, but <laughs> that you know, the Australian Open will play extremely differently. And yes. uh, as I, as I laboured the point on last week's podcast, I think the speed of the court was a very significant factor mm. you know I wouldn't have okay. picked Svitolina before the tournament but having watched the first couple of days I suddenly was starting to look at Steven more so Stevens, but yeah the likes of Svitolina um, so I, I think that's not insignificant but hey in punishing physical conditions in Australia you know she gets there she, she does find that exact right formula for her physicality and she gets there and she's able to to outlast players absolutely she could win the Australian Open I don't think there's anyone that would say she couldn't she's more vulnerable though to big hitters isn't she yeah at exactly that tournament and and those tournaments with slightly quicker surfaces yeah and she's always going to be I think you know even when she does finesse the formula she's never going to be a power player she, she will always be susceptible to being hit through but once upon a time we might have said that about Simona Halep as well yeah, so yeah. Um, not and not a different player and actually talking to Nigel Sears who knows Andrew Bettles the coach of uh, Elena Svitolina very well I remember him saying just as we were approaching the final of Rome earlier this year and it was Halep against Svitolina the view from inside the campus Svitolina seemed to be that if Svitolina was on she felt she she could actually overpower Halep and, and actually, when you watch their matches, they're, they're so similar. They can go toe-to-toe, and you, you do see that ability to, to have maybe a little bit more on the shots from, from Svitolina. Uh, well, I, ooh, well, I think Halep finds it very difficult playing Svitolina because she likes feeding on other, off others' pace, mm. doesn't she? And Svitolina gives her nothing. I, I think it was in the Rome final this year when Halep got Darren Cahill down and she just expressed her frustration um, with she said it was like you know playing someone in slow motion. She's yeah. just getting absolutely nothing, and and that was really frustrating. So, yeah, I mean, 
maybe, but it, look, she's she can't model her game on being being a ball striker. No. She knows that. She, she knows like, how to she get needs the best to be the package, herself. really. Yeah. Um, um, hey, look, I'm not predicting. I don't think I will be putting her name in the champions column on our It's quite funny that, though, isn't it? Why, why is that? Why do but then we I never don't know who I will be putting there. We never end up picking Svitolina. Hey, hang on. It's the end of the... Who's going to win this? We, we can do... We know all we're going to know, other than sort of coaching changes and, I don't know, injuries Yeah, but the so coaching on. changes matter. Catherine. Okay, let's the say there aren't any. matters. Uh, Naomi Osaka's already revealed that she will not be changing coaches. Sasha Bayan is here to stay. Well, why would she? I'll tell you, that's a good alliance. I like yeah. Sasha Bayan yeah, a lot. Yeah, why would she? Um, no, um, no Kamal Murray for Sloane Stevens in Singapore. No. She had a guy called S- S- Sylvester. Sylvester. Ooh. Okay. They were calling him Sly on BT Sport anyway. Of course which, they were. <laughs> which I found. I don't know, I know that is an official abbreviation of Sylvester, but it just felt rude. Rocky's back. Anyway, yeah. um, Caroline Wozniacki, a little story that has come out of the WTA finals. Uh, she was involved, was it against Svitolina? I think it was, where she went once at all and that qualified Svitolina for, for the semifinals, didn't it? It was quite a, quite a moment, that. After that match, it knocked Wozniacki out. We, we heard news that Wozniacki was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis after the US Open which is a heck of a, a debilitating the US Open. illness yeah to 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 be struck down with she says i couldn't lift my arms over my head i mean i i i know a couple of people who've suffered from rheumatoid arthritis and that is a really tough thing to have for anybody to to just function in day to day life let alone an athlete yeah it must be I can only imagine how difficult it is for an athlete to be diagnosed with a chronic illness, um, mm. something that they they know they can't be cured of. You know that it's not. Yeah. You know they're so used to sort of seeing obstacles, seeing things to be overcome, tackling them. You know, figuring out a plan to tackle them and get past them. She, this is something she can only manage. You know, she it's not yeah. something she can overcome, which must mentally for for an athlete be incredibly difficult. However, my understanding is that. It definitely can be managed. Obviously, there are going to be times when it it does present difficulties for her. Um, but she's only got to look at Venus Williams, hasn't she? You know, Sjogren's syndrome um, can present with quite similar symptoms um, during flare-ups to rheumatoid arthritis, joint pain, um, joint swelling. And again, obviously, there have been some some bad results for Venus that I'm sure would be in part attributable to, to her illness. She she never attributes it to that, does she? But she, she's 38 years old and still going and producing brilliant results and, and um, she's an absolute... Um, I mean, you couldn't wish for a better role model in that regard. Yeah. So I, I wish her well. I... I I'm, you know, she's going to have the best medical team possible, isn't she? Yeah. Um, yeah she so yeah, Oof. but I mean, at the moment of diagnosis, that must have been J- just hearing the words. You've, you've got. Re- I mean, that doesn't sound great, does it? No, and, and that's something she'll have to deal with for life too. So uh, a, t- a tough diagnosis, but we wish uh, Caroline Wozniacki all the best with that. Doubles champions Tamea Babosh and Kristina Mladenovic over uh, Katarina Siniakova and Barbora Krichkova. Uh, of the Czech Republic. So well Comparisons done. between Medanovic and Sok? Yes, I think that's fair. A similar singles drop-off, but 
absolutely formidable doubles player. I also think it, it, it does show that sometimes I think it's, it shows what a lonely place the singles court is and how some people maybe just it's just better for them socially and personally to, to be on a doubles court um, maybe as, a, as just in order to sustain the life of tennis professional I, I could believe that yeah I guess she certainly seems like she's, she's always seemed absolutely lovely to me Kiki Mladenovic and there's no doubt she she and Tamea Babos have a great great friendship that's not a sort of a mercenary working partnership is it they are a yeah they're they are absolutely a team in every sense they're very active on social media together yeah i i can believe that and i, I think the same the same is the case with caroline garcia before it all, before it all went hideously yeah. wrong um yeah but but she's but she's too good not to do it in singles well it'd be well. a waste wouldn't it for yeah. her not to rediscover some of the form she got last year when she got to the top 10 and uh, and and really plays she plays a type of tennis that is exciting and uplifting and different so you want to see her put that on the court as often as she can as we said singapore's final year of hosting it I, i've been to the event a couple of times um very much enjoyed it sometimes a little frustrated by the crowd's uh, that were there but this year actually looked like the crowds were, were, were bigger certainly from what I could see um, yeah I think last year was the low point in terms of crowds wasn't it it, it felt like the the as a venue city it had run out of a bit of steam but so I suspect the fact that they knew they were losing it this year you know Singaporeans last chance to to flavour to sample the event um Injected a bit of impetus in, into the ticket sales, I suspect. As did um, Osaka, I think. Although, yeah, although her absolutely. results were, she didn't get the results she wanted, and she didn't win a match. But she she clearly did bring with her some backing of her own, and um, and yeah, just a, another great step for her. But yeah, Shenzhen for the next ten years. Ooh, my goodness, that yeah, is a that big is old stay. Such a long deal, isn't it? And what if what if what if it's just a terrible failure? Mm, well, and they know they're locked into it for 10 years that it is could, a tough I, one I, you know, well they were locked into a not, deal with BN Sports and that's ended they were Tennis Channel as a, as a broadcasting deal that's true apparently it ended with the coverage being abruptly cut off before the trophy ceremony they didn't allow they didn't show Svitolina speaking nice they abruptly cut it off to head to coverage head to an hour's build up of Premier League football no it was the Classico in, uh, in La Liga. Oh, was it? Yeah, which is quite a big deal. But, I mean, it also shows the problem with yeah. only having one channel You can sacrifice for your ten- five for your minutes of build-up. Yeah, but you need multiple channel- channels, don't you? You need more more spaces for it to go. Look, at least with Tennis Channel now in the States, that's a good home. That's where it should be, really, in terms of at Please least... in the name. You know, yeah. I mean, that's not the only, ten- not the only channel. I mean, ESPN do a very good job with tennis, I think, generally as well. But you need to be able to have it on a platform that gives it its due and, uh, and, and attention. Basel, Roger Federer, 99th career title. And, and he's, been, he's been winning titles there. I think this is his eighth one now um, in, in Basel. Ninth, it's his ninth. Is it? Yeah. Crikey. That's a heck of Don't a do the guy down, oh, yeah. David. Ninth title, blimey! And uh, and he's been going there. I, I actually realised that I was there the first year he reached the final in 2000. I was courtside. Don't eye roll at me as though I'm 84. Um, I was courtside uh, when he faced 
Thomas Enquist. And this was after a semi-final in which, for the first time in his career, he beat Leighton Hewitt and uh, and completely turned around the um, the, the rivalry. Well, at least started to turn around the they rivalry. They did have a good them. rivalry for a little while. They well, didn't. Leighton there was Hewitt that... was totally dominating that rivalry. And then, then Federer started completely dominating the rivalry. And then there was that Davis Cup match where Federer... Uh, where Hewitt came from two sets to love down. Yeah, that's right. After that, after like that, that Federer barely lost a match yeah. to him. Um, but but what I remember about that was afterwards when when Federer came off the court, the, the rivalry score in total is eighteen nine between Federer and Hewitt. Um, and yes, that was the fourth meeting between the two. Federer had lost the first three, and he won six four five seven seven six eight six in the tiebreak. After that. Um, and actually, he still ended up losing, did Federer, four of the next five uh, uh, between the two. So, you know, it was it was an absolutely dominant rivalry for, for Hewitt. What's that? 7-2, he was ahead. Uh, and then and then he only won one more <laughs> in the next 17. Anything else from the David Law memory banks? Uh, <laughs> no, not Bars really. Or well, anyway, what I wanted to say is Federer <laughs> came off the court that day and, and, and he, he said, he pointed to the, the inner parts of his thighs and he said when you play Hewitt your legs are just screaming you know just in the pain of being jerked from side to side on the court by the way Hewitt plays against you and you could tell that this is just when he would have only been about 19 years of age at that time and it shows how you have to develop as an athlete as well as a tennis player anyway carry on Catherine what happened yesterday Uh, well well as we've established, Roger Federer won, beating Marius Coppel in the final straight sets in the end. Although he was he was forty down in the second set, um, really had to turn that around. Um, Coppel, incidentally, as I mentioned, that beat Sasha Zverev in the semi-finals. Um, I didn't see the match, um, but I did seek a an assessment from special reporter, special Federer reporter Matthew Whitaker. Um, So his assessment of Federer's final performance reads thus. Not vintage and no questions really asked of him. Not much info gained. Backhand looking better though. Front foot lighter on the ground. He's still doing that thing of bricking one service game per set. Fine against someone who gives you chances. Against Djokovic that's just a 6-4, 6-3 loss. Which I think is a, a very crucial point there. It's, I it's, mean, it's quite hard to know where to put this week isn't it for Federer because look let's not be churlish he's won the title it's his 99th title overall right you can't win a title and be completely written off it's not fair is it but then no, you see but- he's beaten Koppel in the final he's beaten Krajinovic Struff Simon Medvedev he struggled against some of those players and he's lost his serve loads of times 13 times he lost his serve in Basel I mean that's not what happens to Yeah, Roger and given Fever, the fact it? that, you know, ahead of the week, you'd say anything other than a lifting the title at the end of this week is, is a failure for Roger Federer, let's be honest. Particularly if you played those guys. If you'd have played, played, so, played some of the others that were there. You so, know, yeah, I think it's okay to, to judge Roger Federer by, by a pretty high standard, and probably he'd never say it. You know, all we see is the jubilant pictures of him. Um, dishing out pizza to ball kids which is a lovely tradition by the way that they do in Basel um, pizza? they yeah I they it was do, a medal or something oh they do pizza for all the ball yeah. kids the winner oh, takes a load nice. of pizzas to the ball kids um, Quite like but yeah pizza. I think deep down mm-hmm. 
deep down, you know, in six months' time, he might be telling us that, you know, he had some kind of crippling finger injury yeah. <laughs> this week. Um, but, yeah, I think if he were to take a lie detector, he'd probably say that he is a bit concerned. Um, and I, I, on the basis of what I've heard there from Math, I certainly wouldn't... Get, I mean, f- frankly, Djokovic is just head and shoulders above everyone including Roger Federer at yeah. the moment that's that those are the, that those are the facts I think I don't I, it doesn't sound like there's anything to indicate that he would give Djokovic more of a challenge mm. no um, I, I it's it's hard to be honest to to look at the field that is lining up for the ATP finals right now and identify someone you could say I, I, I fancy him against Djokovic Djokovic is going to be the favourite against unless he gets injured or has an awful day I mean, I, you, you would say Nadal but Nadal's been injured for, for a long time now and he's, he he's making Paris. his comeback he in, is Paris. in Paris he's talking up a good he's certainly talking up a good game about his intention and desire to play both Paris and London um, he's not saying too much about the, the body or where he, where he feels he's at but he certainly wants to play. Um, How about Marius Koppel? 151 mile an hour serve in the final he hit, and he beat Chilich and Zverev on route. He, I think the first time I properly watched a full match of his. A bit like watching Ons Jabeur last week. It's just, you suddenly look at this guy, you've seen his name loads, you maybe caught a few points here and there, but then you watch a match, you think, crikey, he's a big bloke who hits it hard. When he played Murray in that yeah, three-hour epic. Best known for losing to Murray at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and and Murray crying. Cry. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he cracks the ball yeah. quite hard I mean I don't think this is the start of Marius Koppel's charge towards the top 20 no but, but it's it's n- nice to see somebody who's just standing up and and taking these guys on uh, and and that's uh, actually a disappointing loss for Zverev really on, 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 the, on the yeah route. yeah um, for ATP finals it's going to be interesting for Zverev mm, do you think it is I, I think despite the, next... the fact that you've just predicted him to win it well, and sort of win the Australian I didn't Open didn't do that I, I was doing a what if I, I think the next 12 months for Zverev this time next year let's bookmark this conversation where is Zverev going to be at Tennis Podcast let us know what's what your answer will that 12 months for Zverev look like I think he will have reached the final of a Grand Slam and still be with Ivan Lendl yes what do you think yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I have a few more doubts than I had six months ago and 12 months ago. But I th- I think on balance, probably yes. Okay, let's put But if he that. hasn't, uh, then I I won't keep predicting that okay. every year. If give he doesn't us, do it this year, then... Give us your Zverev predictions for uh, October the 29th, um, 2019. What will... Alexander Zverev's career look like at that point uh, we've uh, excelled ourselves with uh, with predictions with no basis prediction there. bonanza here on the tennis podcast <laughs> dear, oh dear. Vienna uh, Kevin Anderson who is just Mr. Reliable has won uh, his first ATP 500 title he beat Kane Ishikuri 6376 he, he's alright with being called Mr. Reliable yeah I think he'd wouldn't love he rather it. be like Mr. like Mr. I've just won the biggest title of my career well, he's reliably performing and producing every single week. I think uh, he'd probably take less to what I called him the other week, as uh, uh, certainly his, his wife 
complained when Remind I. Remind me what you called him. I, well, I just said he may not be Mr. Charisma. <laughs> However, what I was trying to say is. You didn't he, say he's not Mr. Charisma. You said he may not yeah, be Mr. Charisma. Yeah, the point I was trying to make is look, he's not a song and dance man, maybe. He, you know, he's not getting all this attention. He's not getting loads of attention for doing no- nothing, right? You don't know Next he's not to a song nothing. and dance man. Okay, he well, might he, have a secret side to him. My guess is he's not. <laughs> um. <laughs> And he certainly he's doesn't, too big to be a song and dance He man. certainly doesn't make a thing of being one. Um, but the point I was trying to make was that this is somebody who, in spite of the fact that he doesn't get attention for his potential or reputation or his, or his uh, I don't know, personality, nobody talks about him for those particular points, he keeps shoehorning himself into the conversation <laughs> yeah, he, he will not That's go away he it. keeps on making sure that you have to consider him because of his results and the way he applies himself and he he is outperforming what i certainly would have expected to be his potential and i think he's an absolutely well, you, you, creditable you stop talking man. about players potential in in their 30s don't you? he's 32 yeah. and he's going to make his debut at the ATP finals that is it, it's that's amazing do you know the other thing is he he's starting to become relevant not only for his results but for what a, just a decent person he mm. he is showing himself to be because he's not just a decent person quietly with his mates behind the scenes he's standing up yeah. he's on the player council and that's discussed he's, he's not many do he's prepared to put his head above the parapet and actually stand for something yeah and look I do, I, he's I, I not do, playing any exhibitions in Saudi Arabia I have the greatest respect for the boat yeah the Saudi Arabian uh, exhibition as we as stands is not cancelled um, it is uh, expected to go ahead as things stand uh, both Nadal and Djokovic have been asked about it um, both of them ha- have made the point in Paris that they made a commitment to take part in that exhibition uh, a year ago um, and they are back when Saudi Arabia was a, a stand-up place with a great human rights record. Well, certainly before this particular incident with the journalist uh, took place, and they, at this stage, have said that they don't intend to make any decision at the moment. But they know that something very bad happened, um, and they are looking to see how that situation evolves. Um, They're playing for time, and, and, aren't they? And is clarified. Um, yeah, look, I mean... They're reading the temperature, I think, of, of the situation but, before I mean, making what's, a final what, call. Like, you know, what, <laughs> what information are they waiting for? I, I mean, I find the statements baffling, if not maybe particularly surprising. I find Djokovic is particularly disappointing because he says he doesn't like to involve himself in any political exchange or situations, which, you know, is just patently untrue, isn't it? I mean, he's been he's done a lot of good good work and stood up for a lot of things particularly at home in Serbia where where he's not been afraid to to stick his neck out and a lot of people have speculated that he might one day want to feature in politics and also as established when we first talked about it this is a state-sponsored event as part of a political state-sponsored program of propaganda, sporting propaganda. It's very deliberate. It's called the Sporting Propaganda Programme, I think, um, to try and attract major exporting, sporting events and um, uh, superstar sports people, sports men, um, to, to give legitimacy to the state of Saudi Arabia. So you cannot extricate yourself 
from the political well, dynamics of this situation. The, you the, cannot. Bottom line, the bottom line is if you are playing the match uh, or if you are signed up to play the match, you are inevitably yeah, involved you, in, the, in that conversation, are, aren't you? Whether they want to be or not, and I'm sure they'd rather not be in this situation, don't get me wrong, I'm sure... Well, I hope that they both wish they'd never signed up to it in I'm the sure first place. Do. I'm um, sure they do. But the fact is, they are being used as instruments of the Saudi Arabian state. They are, um, and they they need to face up to that when making their decision. Hmm. Okay. Well, we will follow it. But let's see. With let's interest see. And see. Hopefully, what they're just next. buying time. Yeah. Um, I dare yeah. say. Yeah. I would imagine they are. Uh, Nishikori has now, incidentally, he lost to uh, Kevin Anderson in the final uh, in Vienna. Lost his last nine finals. Yeah, it's not good, that, is it? So it's weird, isn't it, how Nishikori's lost his last nine finals and yet he's got one of the best five-set records around. It's fa- it's I, funny I, ca- it works, I can't. I can't explain that data. I've got no. I've got no pithy summary to to explain that. Whereas I've lost my last three chokes. <laughs> And, uh, you know, from being ahead. And I've never won a long match either. So it's because of your high intelligence level, David, thanks. I keep telling you, you. you. You've got that one up your sleeve every time I need it. Perfect. Uh, tennis podcast people stick together. That's what I'm telling you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. GB doubles have had a great week because there are seven great British males in the top 70 of the ATP doubles rankings. Jamie Murray, Dominic Inglot, who got the title with his old mate Franco stroke Victor Skugor uh, in Basel uh, against the Zverev brothers. Joe Salisbury, who suddenly just jumped onto the scene over the last year. I mean, if somebody a year ago had mentioned the name Joe Salisbury to you, 
I don't think I would have known who that is. Sounds like a stage name, doesn't it? He's top 30 in the world now, in doubles. That is a fantastic ride. Well, what about Luke Bambridge and Johnny O'Mara? Well, they got a title last week. I forgot to mention that, by the way. I, I meant to and, and forgot to do so. Did you know about them a year ago? Yeah, I did. Oh, I'd heard okay. of them, but I'd literally never heard the name Charles Salisbury <laughs> until about six months ago. And he and Neil Skupski uh, joined forces to win the Vienna doubles title. So congratulations to them. Uh, and Ken Skupski as well is in the top 70 of the uh, men's doubles too. So, yeah, British doubles flying. Where are all our women's doubles players? Well, I think there's a few of those, isn't there? Yeah, but nothing like the men. I, I spent some time with uh, Joss Ray commentating. Uh, I liked her commentary. So she, was Sport really good. she was very Great good. Great combo, yeah. Law oh, well. Ray. All right. See, Ray Law. Getting, getting bigged up because she realises how hard I've taken my choke that she's, uh, she's been nice <laughs> this week. Yeah, Joss Ray was uh, very interesting. She got to 60-something in the world in doubles and then uh, eventually called it a day. She and I were talking a little bit about life on tour and the challenges of, um, you know, just trying to be on the tour and constantly travelling and, and the toll that takes on you. And it's not just about playing tennis matches, you know. you I really do... I really do sort of empathise with that, and it's not for everybody. And she, she had a good career, but it's to keep on going around this tour, especially if things aren't going that well, must be really tough. Uh, Stefanos Sitsipas is somebody who we've talked a lot about in glowing terms over the course of the year, both his results, his behaviour off court, what a likeable, engaging chap he seems to be. He's not had his best public relations week, has he? Oh, I'm not sure about that. He, he's Initially. Yeah, but actually, I mean, well, he said a good crisis communication. He's rescued week. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'll tell you what had, happened. He, a, yeah. he, he basically he was on court. Uh, a, a clip emerged over the last couple of days of him on court, and this follows the the situation with Fernando Vadasco um, shouting at ball kids, and and then um, Arena Sabalenka dropping a, a bottle in front of her and waiting for a a ball kid to pick it up. In this situation, Sid Sebas is shown doing one of those things where you, you, you've been given your new restrung racket with its cellophane on, you're holding the handle of it and waiting for the ball kid to pull off the cellophane. And and he sort of offers his racket out towards the, the ball girl who grabs hold of the cellophane. Sid Sebas turns his back, walks off, and in, and in frustration just yanks at his racket and pulls it out of the wrapper, which which was a bit of a slightly shocking thing to, to witness, really. Um, my take on it was, yeah, it looks poor. He shouldn't have done it. I, I think he really didn't realise what he'd done until he probably saw it back because he turned his back on her as he did it. When he, when he saw that video footage, he immediately rep- replies to the clip um, to, to just make the point that, you know, I, I, really, I really didn't... That wasn't acceptable, what I did, and, and I apologise for my mistake. Um, he says, I was a ball kid once, and trust me, the job they have to put to have things in order is twice more than us players on court. I do appreciate, appreciate everything they have to go through to make us feel comfortable and satisfied when we do our job. They're a big help. Um, yeah, there was another tweet as well, wasn't it, where he did explicitly apologise. Yes, he did. He yeah. did. And, and, and I just thought you know, a lot of people were jumping on and, and giving him a hard time, and I think rightfully so it should be pointed out the same way as it was with everybody else. But I... I like the fact that, and, and it read to me as though he'd seen that and reacted to it rather than being told what to do by somebody who's an advisor. Yeah, it, it read to me like that as well. I mean, the, 
the only distinction I'd make between this incident and the the Dasco one or the the Sabalenka one is he it was it was entitled rather than vicious seeming it was the entitlement of him just turning his back and assuming someone will take care of this perfunctory task for me um rather he wasn't directing anything at no. a, a ball kid um which is a a minor distinction maybe but one worth making but yeah great great response great response he saw everyone you know like like with serena you know everyone has everyone has bad moments um you know, Can imagine th- that him doesn't excuse that, every type of behaviour by just saying, oh, I, I had a bad moment. But, you know, a lot can be rescued with a response, um, and he's very much done that. Yeah, he has. And I would imagine that he will be the sort of chap who doesn't do that again, um, yeah. personally. Yeah, he's a learner, isn't he? Next-gen finals uh, about to take place. Sitsipas alongside Denis Shapovalov. Alex. W- news of plans for the draw ceremony, David, yet to be... <laughs> announced what do yes. you think they'll do <laughs> something very quiet and uh, <laughs> sensible um alex diminor uh, francis something TFA. quiet and sensible it is being held in italy you know andre ruble <laughs> taylor fritz and is it evo munar i can't remember what his first name is uh, and, uh, and, and, is it okay right Jaume and, 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 oh i think it's actually been as okay and um, an italian wild card will make up the field that is actually a lineup I, I'm quite looking forward to seeing some of those matches, I must say. Yeah, interesting. I mean, Rublev's had a, an injury-struck year. Taylor Fritz, he's just not kicked on, has he? He's had some results this year. And he's under Tell the guidance of Paul Anacone. I can't remember what it was now, but about three, <laughs> three weeks ago, um, I remember him fighting back from a really difficult position and winning one of the one of the close matches. I think he's done all right, actually, Taylor Fritz, this yeah. year. But it's still relative speaking i mean if you go back three he, years he's done all right in so. next gen terms yeah he's not uh, that's what i mean he's not he's not kicked on in the way that people were expecting no uh, well he, uh, he he was the leader of the american yeah. youngsters 49 in the world now he is whereas tfo is 44 in the world and you'd say if you just looked at their games and potential wise as people were doing a couple of years ago Fritz was being picked as, yeah. as the one with greater potential. Diminor is 33 two. in the world, Chapovalov's 29, and Tsitsipas really does separate himself, being 16 in the world. Um, so fascinating, really, to, to see how these people develop, the rate at which they do so. Quite looking forward to that. And actually, a new uh, video technology addition to the next gen and finals is that uh, the line call technology the sort of hawkeye type stuff is going to be used to judge not ups you know double bounces of a tennis ball um foul shots if you reach over the net and and play a volley or if you touch the net before you um play a volley uh, they, these are all going to be used with technology yeah i'm all up for that yeah. i mean it seems seems very obvious Makes quite I, sensible. I understand it's all going to happen via some sort of watch some sort of smartwatch mm. that the umpires will be wearing. I quite, I quite like the way they uh, use the next-gen finals to try out all these things. Me too. It's quite a sensible way Me of doing too. it. So uh, the ATP finals field is being decided as well. At Defending the same time. champion ain't in it. No. No, he ain't. Grigor Dimitrov, who has been seen in Paris with Andre Spotted. Agassi. Spotted. Andre Agassi coaching on a consultancy basis, or at least a tryout basis. He's been brought in by Danny Valverde to have a look at Grigor Dimitrov, Andre Agassi. What do you think? 
I mean, I'm obviously fascinated by it. For us a lot, it's the dream, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's a brilliant thing to talk about. It didn't go well with Djokovic. Um, no, but the, the reasons given for that by Agassi uh, were that Djokovic didn't really want to hear what he had to say at the time. And by all accounts, looking back, Djokovic might not have been in the right headspace um, at that time um, to, to take on board new messaging. I think Dimitrov is is going to listen I think he yeah. you know he's, he's he's a good student isn't he he might not be able for other reasons to put it into practice but I think he'll be very up for and respectful and, and all of that about hearing what Agassi has to say and he's somebody who needs ever, every so often a bit of a reboot and a bit of a new injection of ideas I yeah think. and I like that it's Valverde that's, that's brought him in because mm. I, I, I mean I, 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 I still think as awful as Griggles results have been I still don't think that that's necessarily to do with Danny Valverde like, I don't think just getting rid of him and bringing in the next coach on the carousel is the right thing to do for Grigor no. Dimitrov um, but maybe bringing in a new voice is whether Agassi is the right voice I've no idea there's certainly a lot of mental unpicking to do I like it I like it as a concept, at the very least. I think yeah. you know it's a bit of a why not? Why not throw what, the dice? Exactly. With why not? Like I mean, this? it's throwing the dice big, though, isn't it? And Agassi as well for him too. He's got just a little bit of reputation rebuilding yeah. to do here because, frankly, it didn't go well with Djokovic. He it was a bit embarrassing, really, that the way he was he ended things and said, "Look, we had to agree to disagree too too often." And then the next thing you know, Djokovic goes back to Marian Vida, the man who he'd worked with for so long and has suddenly got all of these results. Now, some of that success may be in part due to some of the things that Agassi was teaching him over the course of the time, but it, it doesn't look great, does it, on the CV for, for Agassi as coach. It will be interesting to see. And Djokovic, sorry, Dimitrov is the perfect type of case study to prove you can make a difference, isn't he? Because we know he's got a, a, a very expansive game that can be successful but he has got a lot going on mentally that yeah. has held him back it's yeah it's not going to be the case of of just i'm not saying there wasn't hard work for ivan lendl to do with andy murray say to to take him from from nearly to grand slam champion but it did feel like you know it's there you've just got to tap into it you might have to build something with Dimitrov that we we don't yet know is there. It might never be there. It might not be buildable. But it's not a question of just rooting around and and flicking, finding the switch and flicking it. Um, yeah, he's he's he'll yeah. I mean, I as you say, it's not a nothing to lose situation for Agassi because of how his coaching CV currently looks. So. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a trial basis at the moment, but he wouldn't be accepting that job or even the trial if he didn't think he could... There's got to be an upside. If he could do what needs doing. The, the question is, what will be the benchmark of success? Does it have to be winning a Grand Slam? Or have we lowered our... Have we lowered our expectations? Well, I think, of first of all, you've, you've got to get Dimitrov back to where he was a year ago in terms of feeling like... I mean, he, this year he's won 23 matches and lost 18. That is appalling 
for a guy of Grigor Dimitrov's standards. And uh, he needs to be a relevant force again. He needs to have his identity back as a player who doesn't choke, frankly. And on the subject of choking... Oh, I see what you did there. I, I didn't intend to, but it worked out. On the subject of choking, we are going to get this in. Uh, at Tennis Podcast, we've been asking you to tell us about some of the most excruciating chokes, mine aside, that you've remembered. A lot of this came off the back of some of the results Marin Cilic has had, and we talk about Dimitrov. Now, Cilic has had a good year in some ways. He reached a, uh, an Australian Open finally, won Queens, but he's had some pretty alarming losses from victorious-looking positions. At the US Open, he led Kane Shikuri by a set and a break, and he lost in five. Davis Cup semi-finally had set points in the second set tiebreak against Query to go two sets to love up, and he lost in four. In Tokyo, he served for the match twice against Jean-Lenard Struff and lost in three. Uh, and Nicholas Jarry lost to in Shanghai. I mean, these are pretty severe defeats for a guy of his level of experience and quality and, and do suggest something amiss mentally in these situations. Now, even in my pathetic park level, <laughs> I can relate to the, the nerves that you go through when you're closing in on a victorious uh, uh, glorious win and then uh, only for it all to go horribly wrong uh, but some of these that people have sent in uh, at best off forehand remembers Anna Ivanovic losing for 5-1 up it's, it's got the best off forehand in the world he does have a good one uh, Roger, is that, is that hello, Roger our listener uh, Anna Ivanovic losing 5-1 40 love up in the deciding set against Kim Kleisters in Miami t- 2011 Ouch. Jake Davis remembers Guillermo Correa uh, against Gaston Gaudia. Yeah, six, six love, six three for Correa, uh, then capitulated and said he felt powerless afterwards, couldn't control his nervousness. There's, of course, at Truth and Tennis, who remembers Todd Martin leading 5 1 in the fifth set against Mal Washington in the 96 Wimbledon semi final, failed to serve it out twice and lost it 10-8 in the Wimbledon semi-finals. Gabriella Sabatini, a few people have mentioned, uh, leading Steffi Graf in the Wimbledon final of 91, twice served for the title. And then um, the dear, uh, much-missed Jana Novotna's Wimbledon final defeat to Steffi Graf. We all remember her crying on the shoulder of Which prompted uh, the crying the on the shoulder, yeah. yeah. But actually, the one that I remember more in her specific situation was one that's been sent in to us as well. I remember watching this match against Chanda Rubin in 1995 at the French Open, and Novotna was five love up, 40 love up in the final set, and eventually had nine match points before losing at 8-6 in the third. I mean, and she had some obviously incredibly victorious moments as well, winning Wimbledon uh, against Natalie Tausier in the final. But it is one of those Tozier. things, isn't it? Yeah. Tausier. Yeah, Tausier. What did I say? Tausier. All right, well. <laughs> Never heard that before. You in say my tomato. Life. Anyway, um, what, what, what is it about <laughs> closing out a match? The, 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 and actually, some people have said that is what separates the greats that they don't choke very often. Yet they do sometimes, don't they? I don't yeah. Think I, I don't think I've... I'm trying to remember, have, have you seen Novak Djokovic choke? I, th- I think the, the closest I've seen during, is a couple of those Wimbledon of, finals. During, during that 18-month period where he was off, can't think of a specific example, but there were definitely moments where I could see... I could see could see the mental frailty in a way that I never had before. I don't see it anymore. Mm. Um, Nadal? I mean, I, I remember 
well in your strokes of genius um not your documentary My i mean strokes <laughs> of genius in the in the brilliant <laughs> documentary about federer and adult strokes of genius that in I was which in. david law featured um he talks about that how he was very close to choking that's the first time i've seen adele choke actually you're quite right yeah Yeah. um i mean he did end up going on to win it how um, i will never know yeah there were he choked in moments i mean andy murray talks about in the wimbledon final the first one that he won um 2013 even though he was two sets to love and what five serving five four yeah he he says that he felt like if i didn't win that game like not sure I'm not sure I'm going to win the match I have to win this game yeah despite being two sets and a break up um which you know tells you everything you need to know about I mean yeah I refer you again to the the Freakonomics podcast about the the analyzing the pathology and the psychology of choking I'm gonna have to listen to that before our rematch do you know it is nearly (laughs) four years now since we played that match and if I get to the brink of victory against you I don't know what I'm gonna do by the Kevin Anderson metric I have reached my physical peak (laughs) since then the age of 32 have you yeah okay (laughs) I mean who knows there could yet be more peaks for Kevin Anderson I I hope I hope I hope 33 proves to be another peak. Where am I in my curve? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Best not to ask. I haven't had a peak and I am not <laughs> going to have one. Who's going to win Paris? I'm going to be peakless. Um, I don't know. That's a very good really? question. You don't think Novak Djokovic is going to win Paris? Well, I think of all the tournaments that he's going to win, that would be one of the least likely, personally, just because I don't think he needs it as much as some of the others. But um, I think he can win it. Without needing you, it too much. He, he needs it now that Nadal's entered and he desperately wants to finish world number one, doesn't he? The person, do you think the person in the field that wants it the most is Federer because of the 100 titles thing? No, not necessarily. I think there's a few people who want it big time. Um, who, who else? Who wants it more than Federer? Yeah, I mean, you might be right. Actually, I, I don't, the thing is, I don't even know if Federer's going to end up playing it. Well, yeah, that's, As we that sit is here, still a question Monday mark. morning, he is entered. But, you know, he, he's, he's due to play his first match on Wednesday. He actually said he'll make his final mind up tomorrow. Um, so we'll find out. But, yeah, that 100th title, when it comes, that will be a pretty big moment. That's a big number. That's but huge, I tell yeah. you what, just, just as a quick final note, some, something that I've really enjoyed on Twitter the last couple of days is some of the replies from Pam Shriver to a few people. She's quite spiky, and she even colleagues of hers and, and so forth. I can't remember who it was who, who said when Andre Agassi, it was Marty Fish, Andre Agassi was appointed by Dimitrov, and Marty Fish said, what a tennis mind, an incredible hire. And Pam Shriver said, well, come back to me in Australia and let's see actually if, if he's made any difference before you say that. And then she also said about the, the hundred, somebody else said, what an incredible achievement, 100 titles for Roger Federer. Go and look at the results that Martin and Navratilova accumulated. Ooh, um, yeah. And uh, before you uh, just get too excited about 100 titles. Quite like Pam Shriver, don't you? Yeah, speaking of spiky people on Twitter, don't ever tell David Law that Pete Sampras is boring. Yeah, I did rise to that one a bit. Yeah. Um, well, look, it's, it's all in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Boring, interesting, it's whatever you float your boat. But I do think people's memories are very short. 
and selective. Um, I think some people, yeah, absolutely right. There are a lot of people that did not enjoy the, the, the era of Pete Sampras and his dominance. And yes, his style of playing though, with those really fast conditions could end up being just a serving contest and that was a tough watch and I didn't enjoy that particularly either but I also remember all the other bits when he played on clay against uh, against some of the players and when he took on Andre Agassi and beat him from the baseline more often than not I thought those were wonderful years and and yeah there were some special moments where he was in that just excruciating match where he cried and against Jim Courier when his coach was dying and and uh, and still beat Courier while he was in tears and he won Twitter his seventh does, Wimbledon. Twitter doesn't allow for this sort of nuance though. No, you have to give a, an an overall impression of a if. if not everybody exclusively felt that Pete Sampras was boring, but I think the majority of people, if they were asked to in crude terms sum up how they felt about the Pete Sampras domination of tennis they probably would say boring that doesn't mean it's wrong it's just, to have not found him boring it's just such a catch-all lazy uh, label to give to somebody's entire career though isn't it it's just no but I think you're conflating appreciation of achievement with enjoyment of the spectacle but I think people also think just decide what they what their view is, and they don't actually consider any of the detail anymore because they've made up their mind. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And to to be fair, he's not because he's so disappeared from the scene. He's not there reminding us. Oh, absolutely. About you know, I wish he was more present to to remind us of. of Always remember somebody saying to me once that people tend to forget that Mats Valander won the same number of Grand Slam titles as John McEnroe. But that's because Mats Valander's not reminding us. No, exactly. John McEnroe is. Well, that's why I'm doing the reminding for you. You know. Seven-time Grand Slam champion, Mats Lander. I always introduce him as that. And former world number one, just the same as John. Yeah. Hmm. This has been the Tennis Podcast, <laughs> brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with our executive producers, Melody Bowes, TennisBalls.com and Triple S. Uh, we are sponsored by La Manga Club. Uh, mascot is Charlie the Ferret, who's uh, just posted on Twitter a little reminder of the year he's had as our mascot rooting around in the little... Uh, outfit box that we sent him and all of his various merchandise of which you can get incidentally not ferret merchandise for yourselves but but you can get tennis podcast t-shirts and hoodies and goodness knows what on our website tennispodcast.net about dog attire i'm I'm working on it oh yeah okay fine Catherine is in charge of dog attire uh and Catherine will be back alongside myself david law here on the tennis podcast in a week from now and we'll speak to you 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.